Welcome to NTJ Pete's Talk, an educational podcast show that aims to give the most updated medical knowledge and approaches to common diseases in the field of pediatrics, including inspirational talks for the pediatric residents worldwide. The talks will be provided by our exceptional residents in collaboration with our esteemed consultants at King Abdullah Specialist Children's Hospital. Our goal is to help future pediatricians to lead the way to healthy child care. Stay tuned. Welcome everyone, my name is Yara Fallata and today I'm going to be the host for this episode. Today we have Dr. Tahir Hamid, General Pediatric Section Head and Consultant in King Abdullah Specialized Children's Hospital. In this episode, we will discuss a common yet an important topic that we face every day, neonatal fever, or as we commonly call it, fever to rule out sepsis. Dr. Hamid, let's start with the term fever to rule out sepsis. Is that the right term to be used in describing neonatal fever? Uh, first of all, thank you and, uh, and, and welcome everyone. Um, uh, the pe- people who know me know that uh, this is one of the favorite topics I like to talk about. As fever in the young infant has remained uh, a hot topic in pediatric hospital medicine. Um, and there have been changes in manage- management, both in the uh, emergency department setting as well as the inpatient setting. Um, we need to remember fever is a symptom and not a specific diagnosis. And there's many terms that have been used for uh, neonatal fever. Um, and as you said, you know, fever to rule out sepsis. Other people say fever without a source, fever without a focus, fever of newborn. But, but probably a, a more appropriate term would be fever in the young infant, as this encompasses Uh, many other causes of fever because in many instances the baby that presents with fever may have other symptoms such as URTI symptoms etc. So I think um, uh, probably a preferred term to be used and if you look at the literature would be the management of febrile young infants or fever in the young infant. Why fever in children with this age uh, group is a big concern? And can we say that if, uh, if I have a well-looking baby, uh, that would be enough to exclude serious infection in that age group? So uh, fever may be the only sign or symptom of a serious bacterial infection in a neonate or young infant. And that's why we worry about fever in this age. Neonates uh, with a serious bacterial infection may manifest with non-specific symptoms such as poor feeding, lethargy, irritability. So a well-looking neonate or a well-looking young infant may have a serious bacterial infection. And that's why we'll come to later on when we talk about actually how we can categorize young infants as being high risk and low risk for having a serious bacterial infection. I think one important um, thing that we first should define is what do we mean by fever? And usually studies that talk about fever in a young infant will define fever as a rectal temperature of 38.0 degrees Celsius or more, documented either uh, in the home, uh, in the emergency department, or in a, a physician's office. I'd like to talk a little bit about the different schools about neonatal fever. What do you think about it in general? As you mentioned, there are many schools in terms of the management of the febrile young infant. Uh, In the late 80s and early 1990s in America, there were publications, there were guidelines published 
regarding the management of fever in the young infant. And many people have heard of these different criteria, the Rochester criteria, the Philadelphia criteria, and the Boston criteria, and there's others as well. And But these are the famous ones, and they uh, were developed in different cities in the United States, and hence they have their names. We have to note that these guidelines were developed um, in before some major vaccinations were introduced, like the Haemophilus influenza type B Hib vaccine or the pneumococcal vaccine. Also, some of the guidelines um, did not consider concomitant viral infections. And also, these guidelines did not use some of the new biomarkers that we have today. So briefly, I'll describe the, the, the most common guidelines that most pediatric residents um, and pediatricians will have heard about. And they are the Rochester criteria, the Philadelphia criteria, and the Boston criteria. And I think as a pediatric resident, it's good to have at least, you know, some knowledge about these. And maybe if you want to apply, you know, go into one in more detail. The Rochester criteria, for example, is maybe the easiest for people to remember because it's the only one that does not require a lumbar puncture. And um, it it, it uh, looks at babies age 0 to 60 days of age, and they try to categorize babies as low risk um, if they are well appearing, they don't have any focal infection exam, they're full term, etc. And then by certain lab tests, for example, the CBC, to see if their WBC count is between 5 and 15,000, if their abs absolute neutrophil count is less than 1500 and if the urinalysis has less than or equal to 10 um, white blood cells per high power field. So again the Rochester criteria does not include a lumbar puncture in their assessment. So the next criteria is the Philadelphia criteria which um, many of us have heard about. The Philadelphia criteria are popularly used because it's often a gray area in the one to two month age range of when a baby presents with fever, do they have a serious bacterial infection or not? So the, rot the Philadelphia criteria actually, um, they have very specific ages between 29 days of age and 56 days of age. And they, will, they recommend doing a full septic workup and based on certain criteria, meaning a normal WBC count, or they say actually between less than 15 or between five and 15. Um, and, and I don't actually want to go into very specific details about this because there's modified criteria. There's like modified Rochester criteria. There's modified, modified Philadelphia criteria. And um, a third criteria that people have heard about is the Boston criteria, and that has age range of 28 to 89 uh, days of age. Both, just to summarize though, both the Philadelphia and Boston criteria include a lumbar puncture um, in their set of criteria. Um, I just want to take a step back and, and talk about um, serious bacterial infections um, in young infants. Um, as I mentioned, fever may be the only manifestation of a serious bacterial infection in a neonate or young infant. However, out of all babies, young infants, neonates or young infants that present with fever, approximately 10% of them have a serious bacterial infection. So the majority of them do not have a serious bacterial infection. However, these babies that have serious bacterial infections, this 10%, when we further categorize serious bacterial infections, we have 
invasive bacterial infections like bacteremia and meningitis. And this is what we really, this is what we worry about. We do not want to take a chance of missing a neonate or a young infant that presents with fever and maybe not many other signs or symptoms and they have bacterial meningitis because that could have long-term consequences. So again, out of all babies that present, young neonates or young infants under three months of age that present with fever, 10% of them will have a serious bacterial infection. Out of this 10%, 90% will have a urinary tract infection and 10% will have an invasive bacterial infection, as I mentioned before, either bacteremia sepsis or bacterial meningitis. Um, in 2018, uh, the DPP for uh, neonatal fever was, uh, was started here in King uh, Abdullah Specialized Children's Hospital. Does this DPP follow a special school? Um, uh, it's a great que uh, question, Yara. So um, what we found um, and in, in our practice here is there was a large variation in practice, both in the emergency department and in the inpatient setting uh, in the management of fever in young infants. So in late 2017, early 2018, um, the emergency department the Division of Pediatric Infectious Diseases, as well as the General Pediatric Division, formed a task force to develop guidelines for the management of fever uh, in the young infant. And, and, and I'll briefly talk about that today. So this uh, uh, departmental policy and procedures, this DPP, uh, was launched in um, early 2018. And it applies to all babies 90 days and under that present with a documented fever of 38 degrees or above um, who present to the emergency department. And it talks about their management both in the emergency department setting as well as the inpatient um, setting. Now these criteria were actually based mainly on the uh, Philadelphia criteria. And um, the Philadelphia criteria um, focuses actually on ages uh, 29 days to 56 days of age. However, our DPP encompasses all babies from 0 to 90 days of age. So what we've done is this. We've categorized babies based on age. Um, as we know, the risk for a young neonate uh, for a serious bacterial infection is higher. So the three main categories are this. We have babies aged 0 to 28 days of age, babies 29 to 59 days of age, and babies 60 to 90 days of age. So again, you have the neonate under one month, then you have the period about one to two months of age, and then two to three months of age. So for a baby, a neonate, so 28 days or below, who presents with a documented fever, and this is in agreement with almost, with, with most guidelines internationally, that baby with a documented fever, whether they're well-looking or ill-looking will have a full septic workup done in the emergency department. Antibiotics will be started and they will be admitted to hospital. And by the f a full septic workup, we mean blood, urine, and CSF, blood, CBC, and differential blood culture, plus or minus biomarkers. And I really encourage this, and I'll come to that later, such as procalcitonin and, and or uh, CRP. Urine, a catheterized urine specimen for a urinalysis and urine culture and CSF studies, which include CSF for cell count and differential, chemistry, culture, as well as now we have 
uh, meningitis panel for uh, PCR testing. And a full septic workup will also include, if indicated, a nasopharyngeal aspirate for respiratory multiplex uh, panel PCR, a chest x-ray if indicated, and some, and, and our document mentions also stool culture um, if there's diarrhea. However, we rarely uh, do that. Now coming to the 29 to 59 days uh, age group, and this is where one of the big changes have occurred. Um, as we know, many of the criteria categorize babies in this age group as low risk um, and high risk uh, categories. Um, by low risk, we mean certain set of uh, criteria. Set, for example, they're a full-term baby, 37 weeks gestational age or above. They did not have any prolonged NICU stay. Um, there was no recent antibiotic use. And a key thing for a low risk is that they are well appearing on examination. Because right away, if you have a baby, whether it's one month old, two month old, even a six month old, if they were toxic looking or very unwell looking on examination, that pus puts them into a high risk category. And then you will do a full septic workup and manage them accordingly. Okay, so uh, let's go into detail now about the management of a febrile infant between 29 and 59 days of age because this can be a gray area so again the one to two month uh, age range according to our dpp a baby presenting to the emergency department between 29 and 59 days of age will have a full septic workup done so blood urine csf studies plus or minus uh, npa plus or minus uh, plus or minus an NPA for respiratory viruses, plus or minus uh, a chest x-ray. Now, with all this workup, the baby, based on the history and physical examination, is going to be categorized as either a low-risk infant or a high-risk infant. And the low-risk criteria include well-looking and easily consolable on examination, and that's a key thing full term um, 37 weeks gestation age or above no prolonged NICU stay no recent antibiotic use etc and any and if, and if a baby meets any and if a baby does not meet any of these criteria they become high risk um, automatically so now what the big change in the management that came with this DPP was that in the baby one to two months of age 29 to 59 days to be exact going to our DPP if they're in the low risk category so a well appearing baby has a full septic workup done and based on some of the labs as well meaning a WBC count of between 5 and 15 um, a negative urinalysis and a CSF showing less than or equal to 8 WBCs that baby will be considered low risk will receive one dose of IV ceftriaxone, 50 milligrams per kilo, and then discharge home from the emergency department with follow-up in 24 hours. So that's one of the key changes that was made. If we have a baby between 29 and 59 days of age that's in the high-risk category, then they will have a full septic workup done, antibiotics will be started, and they will be admitted to hospital uh, for a minimum of 24 hours. When we move to the 60 to 90 days of age, so the two to three months um, age group, 
the baby will have um, a partial septic workup done, meaning blood and, and urine tests, plus or minus an NPA if there's viral symptoms, plus or minus a chest X-ray. And then again, we have the low risk and high risk category. If they're low risk, they will be discharged and actually with no antibiotics, according to this our, our DPP. And if they're high risk, an LP will be done, antibiotics will be started, and they will be admitted to hospital. So that's kind of from an ED management point of view. Now from an inpatient management point of view, a major change that's been made with this DPP is as follows. In the past, we routinely admitted babies with quote-unquote rule-out sepsis or fever in the young infant for a minimum of 48 hours till all the cultures were negative. However, the literature now supports that if a child has a serious bacterial infection, i.e. has bacteremia or has bacterial meningitis, that a 24-hour observation period in hospital should be sufficient for a well-looking baby who is admitted uh, because of fever. And the reason is this. The time for positivity for a blood culture for a true pathogen is usually within the first 24 hours. So about 90% of all pathogenic bacteria will become positive in the blood culture within 24 hours time. And probably 95% or even higher by 36 hours time. So that's why we've moved now to more of the 24 hour rule. Um, so before it used to be the 48 hour rule, now it's the 24 hour rule. And this is, and this is, um, this is as follows. If you have a baby that's admitted to hospital for fever in a young infant and started on antibiotics, we have to wait in a minimum 24 hours till our 24-hour blood cultures are out. In uh, practically speaking, usually the urine culture is out within 24 hours. However, if it was drawn at night, it might be 36 hours before it's actually released in the system. Blood cultures, though, are reported automatically. Um, of course, if they're positive, as soon as they become positive, or they're reported at the 24-hour mark. So again, if you and and CSF um, actually the the gram scene is reported usually immediately. So again, if your 24-hour cultures are negative and the baby is doing well clinically. And again, that's a key point. The baby is not lethargic. The baby is feeding well. So the baby is clinically well, and your 24-hour cultures are negative, according to our DPP and many now uh, you know, guidelines um, internationally would help support this, you can safely stop antibiotics and discharge the baby home with follow-up uh, as needed. That's very interesting. Uh, personally, I would say that uh, this DPP really helped us as residents and uh, because of that gray area, whether we are rotating an, e an emergency department or, w uh, or if we are in general pediatric on-call admission, this DPP really helped. Do you think that there's anything that a resident should take uh, under consideration when managing a, a, a neonatal fever? Um, th th that's a great question and and yes I think there are some other very important aspects um, in the management of a young febrile infant one of the things is one of the things one one important thing to consider in any neonate that presents with fever especially that they're unwell looking or they present with seizures or lethargy is to think of herpes and cephalitis. So if when you look at now some um, febrile infant, when you look at, when you now look at some guidelines 
regarding the management of a young febrile infant, they will mention adding a cyclovir in certain cases. And actually, our DPP does mention that. It specifically says to add a cyclovir in all age groups between 0 to 90 days of age if the baby is ill-appearing, has a vesicular rash, seizure, impaired level of consciousness. When I reviewed other guidelines, for example, the modified Philadelphia guidelines from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, they do recommend that any baby 0 to 21 days of age that presents with fever, even if they were well-looking, should they should also be given acyclovir because of the risk of herpes encephalitis, which is usually in the first month of life. So I think that's an important thing to consider in any unwell baby, especially in the neonate. We know that herpes encephalitis usually occurs within the first three weeks of life, but it could occur later. But especially in the first month of life, a baby, an unwell baby presenting to think of herpes and to add acyclovir right away. The management of febrile infants uh, 0 to 90 days of age or under 3 months of age um, is a very big topic, but I think I have some take-home messages that I would really like uh, to share with residents. The first is this, patient safety has now become the forefront of healthcare. There has been a big push now for safely doing less, meaning to not uh, miss any serious illness or serious condition, but at the same time to use your resources appropriately. So less testing, less hospitalizations, less use of resources, and at the same time providing the best patient care and best, best patient safety. With respect to the management of fever in young infants, medical research now has helped us um, in reducing unnecessary testing in well-looking and low-risk infants. And this is where I want to just talk about briefly about some new biomarkers that we're using. And the big one, the new one, it's not new, but it's new in our hospital and new in many institutions, is the use of procalcitonin. We know that procalcitonin is one of these acute phase reactants. And interestingly, it rises early on in a severe infection. So there have been, been some very good studies recently published looking at procalcitonin use as um, a, a predictor for a baby that may be actually low risk for a serious bacterial infection. Now procalcitonin, the lab value used here, and, and, and I want to mention that because now procalcitonin has uh, a reference and the reference range that our lab usually uses, usually uses is 0.05 nanograms per ml. However, the big studies looking at the actual cutoff that should be used for procalcitonin is 0.5 nanograms per ml. So now one of the criteria that many um, experts recommend to be used is um, using procalcitonin level of greater than 0.5 nanograms per ml as one of these factors that will put a baby into the high-risk category. So procalcitonin, as well as C-reactive protein for that matter, these biomarkers have a good sensitivity, meaning it helps rule out a condition. It helps rule out a serious bacterial infection. However, a baby might have a simple viral illness and have a high procalcitonin and that can sometimes, you know, puzzle the manner. But again, p 
puzzled the matter. However, again, its, its specificity is not excellent, but its sensitivity is excellent, especially used with other markers. There was a recent article published in 2019 in JAMA Pediatrics, which was a large study um, done in, in America, a uh, multi-center study, where they looked at procalcitonin along with the absolute neutrophil count and a negative urinalysis. And they used procalcitonin, a cutoff of 1.71 nanograms per ml. Um, which is sometimes hard to remember. So I still like to use 0.5. There was another study that used 0.5. But again, a baby that had a procalcitonin less than 1.71 with a negative urinalysis and an ANC, absolute neutrophil count, of less than 4.09, those babies between 0 and 60 days of age were classified as low risk and none of them had bacterial meningitis. So this is something in the future now that can we start doing less invasive testing and at the same time offer uh, safe patient care. Thank you so much, Dr. Uh, Hamid, for this review about neonatal fever and um, the discussion about this DPP. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Yara, and um, I hope uh, this will be beneficial um, you know, for all trainees. And um, I encourage all trainees to uh, stay up to date with, with new studies because you know, medical research you know, is changing by the day, and there could be some new studies, uh, new information about biomarkers. And we hope that in the future, inshallah, maybe from King Abdullah Specialized Children's Hospital, we can develop our own criteria. Maybe we'll call it the Riyadh criteria. <laughs> that can help in the management of febrile infants.